Hello, this is Patricia, welcoming you to Series 4, Episode 4 of the Haiku P Podcast from Poetry P. I think we're going to have a lot of fun this week. Well, that's the plan anyway. Today I'm joined by my three community judges for this topic of humour. Our first judge is Roger Watson, who you already know. He regularly contributes to the podcast with his own haiku and senryu, and of course he introduced this topic with a workshop in episode 23 of the third series. Welcome back, Roger. Hi Patricia, nice to be back. (laughs) Yeah, good to have you. Our next judge is Peter Draper. Again, Regular listeners will know his work as he too contributes to the podcast. Peter, it's lovely to have you on the podcast at last. Very nice to be here, Patricia. Thank you very much. (laughs) Pleasure. And then we have someone we've not heard from before, Andrew Schimild. Andrew and I know each other because he coordinates the London Haiku Group for the British Haiku Society and very, very kindly lets me join in, even though I'm not a Londoner anymore. He also takes the time to act as a mentor for less experienced poets and members of the British Haiku Society. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew. Hi, Patricia. Thank you for having me. I I hope it's not the first time. Well, not the last time, rather. (laughs) It won't be, I'm sure. Before we go on, I just want to give you a quick reminder that I'm accepting submissions for exaggerated perspective until the 20th of February. So if you haven't sent me your submission, Time is definitely running out. And if you've never sent me a submission, why not make it this month? I look forward to reading it. Now, as usual, I'll start with some haiku that have been previously published. Verse first, poet's name to follow. Then it's over to you for some sparklingly witty, dry, wry and sometimes a little bit sad humorous verses. Thank you, as always, for sending me your submissions and for coming along to listen. So, what have I been reading in other journals or in other places? Bagpipers, just far enough away to move me. Debbie Strange, shortlisted for the 2018 H. Jean Murter Senryu Contest. Barbara Carlson sent me this little verse. As a retired teacher, she often gets little gems like this via email. We tried to find out where it originated but couldn't, so if you know, please tell us. I love to think of a young person handing this in as their homework. Five syllables here, seven more syllables there. Are you happy now? Pokey Hotel No room for my shadow to unpack. David Cobb, from his book, Palm. New Year's Day. Everything is in blossom. I feel about average. Isa, taken from Robert Hass's The Essential Haiku. Abandoned Park. Among the high grass, a plastic dinosaur. Daniela Miso. From Failed Haiku, Volume 5, Issue 56. LAX Pickup. Dante never mentioned this tenth circle of hell. That's by Aaron Napastek 
from honku.org. And now for the main event. Haiku and Senryu, written especially by you for the podcast and the Poetry P Journal, of which more later. Aha moment. The persistent neighbour's car horn. Miko. Retirement. His new career. Doctor appointments. Bruce H. Feingold. And just so you know, Bruce is going to be on the next podcast. Do come along and listen. Everyone laughed at the pie in my face, but I ate well. James Young. Crocodile handbag. The seller closes the deal with a snap. John Hawkhead. Olive oil. The virgin in the room. Roberta Beach Jacobson. In the last podcast, I was talking to Ben Gar. In a bit which I didn't record, we, we were discussing how I disliked snow. He told me I should write a humorous haiku about how I hated the stuff. Well, I didn't have to, because Pam Joy sent me this. Snow falls. Mercury rises. I shovel slush. Pam Joy. Pam, I was shoveling slush myself this afternoon. And I'll probably be doing it tomorrow again. And staying with the beloved snow. New snow cleans my yard. Sun's chore done. Powdered dog piles. Barbara Carlson. Hitting a rock on downhill run. I grow wings. Paul Callis. Snow day. Shoveling replaces... The Labour of Teaching Shai Afsai Apologies to the flower garden left out in the cold Ron Scully Our cat declined Zoom meeting in one perfect leap Doug Lanzo Nothing left to say. October crickets. Doris Lynch. Now, for the first of our judges' choices, it's Roger Watson's choice. Roger, could you read us your choice and tell us a little bit about your reasoning? Well, thanks, Patricia. And I think it's customary to say when you do these things that this wasn't easy, but it really wasn't easy. Uh, I chose this one by Rob McKinnon. Round bales of hay, cattle sadly waiting for a square meal. Round bales of hay, cattle sadly waiting for a square meal. I just, I just kept coming back to this haiku. Uh, I read it quite early. It was one of the early ones in the collection that you sent to me. And it wasn't one that made me laugh out loud initially. And there, are, there was another one, which was a close runner. And I'll be really interested to see what Peter and Andrew have chosen to see if they've chosen that particular one. But it just intrigued me. Uh, I kept coming back to it. And it, 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 it has a sense of humour in it. And it has a sense of depth to it, I think, and so many aspects to it. So it just made me read it again and again. Um, it is a haiku because it's got round bales of hay, cattle sadly waiting. So 
cattle eat uh, hay in winter when there's no grass available. So I thought it did qualify as being a haiku, not that you were asking for that particular qualification. Um, and it just amused me. And it also conjured up an image of cattle in a barn, possibly. Um, and you could almost smell them and hear them. So it had a sense of synesthesia to it, which brought me back to my childhood. I was brought up in a very small uh, country town. I don't see many cattle at all these days, but uh, I well remember them eating hay uh, during winter. So there's a lot of things that kept me coming back to this. Um, there was the idea, first of all, of the square meal, uh, cattle sadly waiting for a square meal. And of course, uh, bales of hay uh, can be square. They're not always square, but I've imagined them pooling at square bales of hay. But also the fact that hay probably isn't quite as nutritious as grass, and they're probably longing for it. So that might be what's making them sad. I don't know. I had to ask myself if, if the word sadly added anything here, if it was necessary. But I thought that round bales of hay, cattle waiting for a square meal didn't quite scan properly to me. It just didn't sound right. I thought the sadly gave it a sense of, of, of rhythm. So there was the sense of the of the cattle sadly waiting for a square meal, either a, me a meal of hay that was going to be given to them or, or waiting to get out on the grass and canter about as cows tend to do, uh, which I'm sure they enjoy much better than standing eating hay. So there was that double meaning at the end, but there was also a double meaning at the beginning, the round bales of hay. I wondered if that meant were the cattle waiting around bales of hay or were they round ones? Because you do get round ones these days, these big ones that are produced by these machines. So I wasn't sure. It's possibly both. They may be waiting around those to be given some other uh, meal of a, of, 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 a, of a square bale of hay. Uh, I just thought, but I also thought that the round at the beginning the round bales of hay nicely complemented the square meal at the end. There was the sense of, of the shapes there. And, and finally, really, the, the, the rhythm of it, the round bales of hay for a square meal, the four syllables at the beginning, six in the middle, four at the end. I just like that sense of symmetry very much. So I, I might be reading a little bit too much into this. Rob McKinnon maybe meant none of these things or all of them. I'll never know unless I meet him and ask him. But um, I think that's the joy of haiku, that there's often more there that you see than the, than the poet actually intended themselves. So I don't think it necessarily conveys a truth that he saw this happening, uh, but it certainly conveys a truth to me in the sense that every time I see cattle eating hay, I'll think of this haiku. So that's my, that's my views on round bales of hay, cattle sadly waiting for a square meal by Rob McKinnon. Thanks, Roger. Thank you very much. Coots, Somme mask. Social distancing. Wing shake ban. Wayne Kingston. Plunging in, fizzing. Fizz balls in the jacuzzi, fizzing all out. Carla Lynn Merrifield. In this four-line verse, Carla Lynn has not just used the visual images for humour, but she's used sound. Let's hear it again and listen to the repetition of fizz. Does it work on you as it did on me, I wonder? Plunging in, fizzing, fizz balls in the jacuzzi, fizzing all out. Carla Lynn Merrifield. By the way, in the next podcast, Brad Bennett is coming along to talk to us about sound.
or as he more eloquently puts it, euphony in our haiku. Do come along and listen. A very short play. Shush, she says to me. We are in a library. Ian Speed Urban Runoff A Fecal Matter Pat Gear Colonoscopy Screening The Waiting Room Decor A Deep Brown J. Friedenberg Heavy wind. The old outhouse blows over. Laurie Beckerer. Playing the flute. Grandad. Passing gas. Laura Driscoll. Potty training. Trying not to confuse her. I sit when I pee. Alex Fife. An apple falls down the stairs. Clip-clop, clip-clop. Mark Gilbert. Circus lion leaps over fire hoop. Audience roars. Near a cash-up. Parrot flyby his newly waxed car. Deborah P. Kolodji. Toenail clippings, a gathering of crescent moons. Pippa Phillips. Dark matter looming large, a chocolate fudge cake. Angela Terry. Too lazy to look up the word lollygagging. Jackie Chow. A close friend. She calls on the rare day I'm out to lunch. Giddy Nielsen Sweep. A loud whistle. Appreciating the attention of the kettle. Marilyn Ward. Melon Coffee. An unknown writer feels my pain. Linda L. Ludwig. Linda, I was so worried I'd mess up reading this one and spoil your excellent wordplay. Let's hear it again and see if I can do it twice in a row. Melon Coffee, an unknown writer, feels my pain. Linda L. Ludwig Rainy Season New Acquaintances, Same Old Bar Tricks Eve Castle Scarecrow's days are numbered. No rains. Lakshmi Ayer. Mask problems. What should we wear for carnival? Anna Maria Domberg, San Cristoforo. Staying with outfit problems. I've written you a little senryu about a first world problem I'm tackling at the moment. I think it's self-explanatory. Mother of the Groom 
if only hiking clothes were acceptable. You can think of me wandering about the boutiques of Zurich, once they open, of course, trying to find a suitable outfit. Window shopping, she tries to lose weight for the dress. Minal Sarosh. Trash sale dress. Couldn't have more sweet memories. Naja Kostadinova. I'm going to interrupt our poetry for a minute to do a little housekeeping. Firstly, thank you to Ben and Alan, who were my guests in the previous podcast. Lots of you have written to me to say how much you enjoyed the podcast, and many of you have given me differing points of view. More reading and viewing. Thank you. I always appreciate it when you help me learn. And don't forget, in March, it's no ego submissions. And your poems should not include the words I, my, we, our, or us. Big news, if you haven't seen my mailing, the Poetry P Journal of Haiku and Senryu, Winter Edition, is now available. If you go to the website and click on the link, it'll take you to Amazon, and you can buy both the paperback and the Kindle versions. I hope you enjoy it. Do you remember Nika's postcard project? I've been sending more postcards. Have you? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll find the info in the show notes for episode one of the fourth series. And of course, the poet's directory. I really recommend sending Jim, a.k.a. Nika, a card. He sends wonderful postcards in reply. Thank you to everyone who's bought me a coffee and is helping me keep the Haiku P podcast free. And I really want to keep it that way, but I do have costs, and that's why I put the Buy Me A Coffee button on the website. If you can, you can donate a little bit to the work I do and help me offset some of the costs. I really appreciate the help. Thank you very much. And before I get back to the poetry, do you fancy being a community judge? I'm looking for judges who'd like to read submissions, do a Zoom call with me, and a couple of other members of the community. Write a commentary and, of course, be on the podcast. I'm close to having a panel in these time zones. California, North Carolina and Europe. So I urgently need volunteers for those areas. But if you want to take part and you don't live there, just let me know, wherever you are and I'll make it happen. Now, back to the poetry. Sudden raindrops pelt my page. My life story. Mary Morrissey Cummins. Grey skies matching grey hair, covered by grey hat. Ellen Urowitz. Boys Alone, The Sound of Sniggers in a Cardboard Box. Christina Chin. Squirrel, darting in and out of traffic. Nuts. 
Ronald K. Craig Bear Hibernation Survival of the Fattest Bill Fay The next of our judges' picks is from Peter. Peter, would you like to read out your choice and tell us a little bit about why? Well, I've chosen one by Wendy Kent, and I'll read it now. Spider in the bath, rope on the soap, ten hairy legs. Let me read it again. Spider in the bath, rope on the soap, ten hairy legs. Each line of this haiku is humorous in itself, but brought together, they evoke an image that's so comical, it made me laugh out loud when the penny dropped and I finally understood this haiku. So let's read the poem a line at a time, as if for the first time, to see how it works. Spider in the bath. I guess there are two types of people in the world. For some, the discovery of a spider in the bath represents an existential threat to which the only possible response is to run shrieking from the bathroom, shouting, take it away, take it away. And then there are those like me who respond, don't be silly, it's only a spider. I don't know what all the fuss is about. If like me, you're a heartless brute in the second group, then the arachnophobe's response seems so over the top as to be comical. Second line, rope on the soap. On first reading, it's not quite clear what this line means, although it's clearly a play on words. It brings to mind a range of toiletries that you could buy in the 1970s. Soap on a rope was just that, a lump of soap on a piece of rope, the sort of thing you might buy for your uncle at Christmas. But rope on the soap, we need to dwell with the uncertainty for a moment. Perhaps the third line will give us a further clue. Ten hairy legs. Add them up. A spider has eight legs and a human has two. Aha! Eight and two makes ten. Ten hairy legs in the bath. And with that calculation, the meaning of the whole poem falls into place. And the imagination is prompted to picture the scene that might have led to the haiku being written. The writer's clearly been looking forward to a nice long soak in the bath, along with the opportunity for a little lower limb depilation. We can imagine her relaxing beneath the bubbles, perhaps raising a leg to apply some soap to soften the bristles for the razor's passage, and leading to the, definition, the deposition of rope or hair on the soap. But then she notices not one, not two, but ten hairy legs in the bath. A sudden panic. Oh no, there's a spider. It's waving its big hairy legs and it's looking right at me. She leaps, stark naked from the water, leaving a trail of bubbles and puddles behind her in search of rescue. And someone, no doubt, will say those infuriating words. Don't be silly. It's only a spider. I don't know what all the fuss is about. And then looking for a moment beyond the humour, this haiku has many of the features I admire in poetry. Every word earns its place. The structure, three lines, each with the same rhythm, is beautifully simple. And by evoking rather than explaining, it trusts the reader 
to arrive at the poem's meaning. So there we are, spider in the bath, rope on the soap, ten hairy legs. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid I hate to to, to um, let you down, but I'm afraid you'd be saying to me something like, oh, for goodness sake, <laughs> pull yourself together. <laughs> I hate spiders in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much for that one. Do you have to be a certain age to truly appreciate the comedy in this next one? If so, I am that certain age. Cindy Lauper, streaming from the speakers, tea steeping, BA France. I don't know if this is what you meant, BA, but I find this amusing because I'm of an age when I can remember bouncing about the room or parting with my mates to her songs, and now I can imagine us sitting around, if I could visit my friends, of course, reminiscing about the old days and letting the tea steep. A seagull swiping my fish and chips from my hands. Catherine E. Winnick Sunset clouds. A crow crosses the road, riding the cow. Nina Singh Beet salad. I crunch through lunch. With Kerouac. Dorothy Burrows. Wednesday. Neither beginning nor end. Midweek crisis. Kim Russell. Cherry blossoms. I only need to write two lines. Valentina Rinaldi Adams. Turtle on a log. Sometimes a cliché will do. Brad Bennett. Refuse dump. Two black bears slouch on a stained sofa. Debbie Strange. Morning stroll. A lark's gift on my head. Nisha Raviprasad. Old family photo, the grandma and I, with toothless smiles, Hifsa Ashraf. A picnic on dry grass, we share our allergies, Richard Tice. Ready to go, coats lined up in the hallway, Daniela Miso. A staccato against his legato. Bickering again. Natalia Kuznetsova. Spring morning. A dawn chorus answers his peaceful snore. Robert Whitmer. Julienne Carrots. How French translations upgrade our expectations. Lorraine A. Padden. Years of German study. Ready to speak. In the present tense. Christine Wenk Harrison. Christine, I feel your pain. May I recommend angry, then insert whatever language you're learning, 
I find you worry far less about grammar when incensed. Of course, you might also be totally incoherent, but you worry less about it. On his cheek, a raisinick. Brain surgeon, Janice Doppler. Cheering the great conjunction. It's a plane. E.L. Blizzard. Ripples tracking a skipping stone. Lake espionage. Srinivas S. First frosts, freezing my smile till warmer times. Bhaktiar Amini. Early morning, she makes the bed, with me still in it. Bill Waters. Bill is one of my new friends on Instagram. Those of you with Instagram accounts, don't forget, if you could, to use the hashtag PoetryP for your haiku. Then go and have a look at other people's work and show them a little bit of love too. Afternoon snow. The hen doesn't notice. The sky is falling. Kristen Lindquist. On a blanket, watching seagulls steal a picnic. Christopher Pays. Ducks waddle over the pond. Still water. Hannah Hulbert. Bug of the day, swimming in my coffee. Well caffeinated. Richard Bailey. Spring morning, both legs in one side of my underpants. David Oates. And this one is after Isa. Banished to Celeb Island. Screeching egos. Peter Adair. There's a hole in my bucket list. My bucket list. A hole. Robert Horobin. Paunch during lockdown. How he competes with his pregnant wife. Ivan Decor. Sunset. The moon goes green. Eugenius Zakarski. A beetle floats on a birch leaf, still eating. Richard L. Matter. Empty beer cans in a basement garden. Ruddy gnomes. Tony Williams. I chose this one by Tony because it, it appealed to me for a number of reasons. I like the tongue-in-cheek feel to it. I like the visual imagery of it. The gnomes playing beer can football. And it linked my old life with my present. It took me back to university days when so many of us lived in dingy basement flats where rubbish would accumulate by the front door. And then to my present. Did you know that the gnomes of Zurich is a derogatory term sometimes used to describe Swiss bankers? I like to think it inspired J.K. Rowling to create Gringotts, the Goblin Bank. But I might be well wide of the mark. Bumpy Flight 
a nun hands me her spare rosary. Bona M. Santos Under the bed with the dust bunnies. Today's motivation. Julie Bloss Kelsey Zoom meeting. I think I put on too much perfume. Maya Deneva Ash Wednesday Grandpa gives up his comb-over. Nika Sweater from last season. One size too small. Sherry Grant His work done, the gas repairman lights his cigarette. Peter Draper Loud snores. I tickle him through a hole in my sock. Vandana Parashar Years ending. Soccer field porter potty. Frozen poop. Oliver Porter A hurricane of papers, tail wagging. Sharon Mahani And to close the podcast, we have Andrew's choice. Andrew, perhaps you'd read it for us and tell us why you chose this verse by Tracy Davidson. Almost poetic, I wandered lonely on a lockdown high street. Again, this is not one that's necessarily laugh out loud, but I like the way it unfolded. We have the first line, almost poetic. Well, what is? What's almost poetic? I find I'm engaged and I want to know more. Second line, I wandered lonely. Well, we all recognise that. We have a line of Wordsworth out looking for daffodils. And on to a third line on a lockdown high street. I think the shift from line two to line three is so vast in that you're moving from the uh, Lake District idyll of sort of pastoral heaven and suddenly shifted down to a lockdown high street. I think there's a, an irony there, which is the, gives the humour in the poem. And then you go back to the first line again, almost poetic. I have a sense that the, po- the poet is, is slightly almost embarrassed or unsure about whether it's okay to find something good in this sort of current crisis that we're all living through. So almost poetic, I wandered lonely on a lockdown high street. And I think for me, there's a sort of an unspoken word that sort of comes into the poem, which is if you just complete the quote a little bit, I wandered lonely as a cloud. And I think that's a being a cloud walking down uh, a lockdown high street is a very good image because as a cloud, you know, a cloud can't touch anything. A cloud can't go into a shop and you can't either because they're closed down. You can't touch other people and other people can't touch you. So you're all lonely clouds (laughs) wandering down the high street. So I thought this was a a good poem. I mean, it it works as a poem on its own in spite of having this sort of humour category to to conform to. And it captures something of the present day crisis we're all going through and responds to it with a a sort of a a gentle humour. Thank you very much, Andrew. Okay. That's it for the day. I hope the poems have brought a little bit of joy into your life. Thank you so much to the judges, to Roger, Peter and Andrew for coming along 
and talking to us today about their choices. What did you think? Did they choose your favourites? Thank you to everyone who wrote for the podcast today. And thank you too for coming along and listening and joining me so I'm not talking just to myself. It's always appreciated. As are the comments you send me after the podcast. Don't forget I'm still accepting submissions for Exaggerated Perspective until the 20th of February. Emails only though. I look forward to reading them. And please join me again in a couple of weeks when I'm having a chat with Brad Bennett and with Bruce H. Feingold. I think you'll enjoy it. Until then, keep writing. If I've made any boobs or left anything out, just send me over an email and I'll put it right. Ciao.